to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, everybody. Wow, I can't see you guys for the sails over there, but I see. I'm so used to seeing everybody up close. It's like a big adjustment for me to look out and see you guys spread out everywhere. But wow, this reminds me. Uh, we were a part of another church startup years ago, and we went into every single subdivision in the area, and we did this through the summer. We, and we had set up plywood. We set the band up on the plywood in the field. Then we cooked hot dogs. Then we went to every single apartment building. We invited everybody to come out. We went to every single project, every single house in this town and invited them out. And met. I tell you what, it was awesome. But I was 31 to, uh, years old then. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a little different. But thank you so much for coming out. And if you are here for the first time, my name's Tim. Welcome to our church, our Backlot Church. And um, we are making our way through a series called Ordinary People because I believe that in the scripture, the people we meet were just that. They were ordinary people of their day, no different than we are, no different at all than we are. They had some of the same concerns. They had families. Uh, they had health issues. They had every bit of the joy, every bit of the struggle, and every bit of the pain and the happiness that we have. And into the midst of that world came a guy named Jesus. And so what we're doing is making our way through the Gospels, taking a look at different personalities, different people that Jesus had an encounter with. Last week we talked about a, a guy, a tax collector named Zacchaeus. His conversation with Jesus, how it turned out. And today we're going to be over in the third chapter of John. A lot of you guys know what's in the third chapter of John, don't you? What's probably the most well-known verse in the world? 3.16. John 3.16, you know? I mean, it ball games everywhere, football games, you see it. But many times we miss the build-up to John 3.16. We miss the conversation with a guy named Nicodemus on the way to John 3.16. So we're going to take a, a look at him this morning. Through your life, through my life, we meet all kinds of people. We come in contact with people who are at various stages of their life. And when you get to sharing Jesus with people or sharing your faith, sharing how God's moving in your life, what Jesus has meant to your life, you'll come upon different types of personalities. Like you come across people who are just kind. They're just so sweet. They're, they listen to what you have to say. And... Uh, they're so kind, though, that when it comes down to it, kind of like throwing the, the net out, kind of throw it out, saying, well, this is what's happened in my life through this guy named Jesus. They just pleasantly smile and go, isn't that nice? And they don't move much further than that. You know, I found out that kind people sometimes are the most difficult, it seems like, to get to engage when it comes to sharing about Jesus. Then you have the considerate people, the people who agree with everything you say but don't take another step. They go, yeah, right, uh-huh, yep, yep. And uh, then you have the comedic personalities, you know, people who make fun of everything. Pretty much there's a joke through life. And then there's the contentious personality. You ever had one of those when you start talking about faith or something and the person wants to challenge every single 
principle, every single uh, conclusion you've made about faith, they just want to de you know, deal with it contentiously. And then there's the contrary as well. Kind of passive aggressive. Kind of smiles, but then doesn't go with you during the conversation. Jesus went through all of these personalities with the people that he ministered to, the people he lived life with, even his disciples were some of these descriptions. And so God is very concerned, very concerned about every single one of us, wherever we are, whatever our opinion is, wherever we are in life, how we process through who he is, and maybe the things that we've heard about him. God knows all of that, and he cares for every single person, no matter the struggles and no matter the, the uh, personality of the people. Um, I met years ago, some of you have heard this story, but when I used to walk the streets in Myrtle Beach and tell my testimony to people, I went back to a place that I used to hung out, hang out called the Little House. Little House was a place where all the hippies and motorcycle and drug people hung out right down here in the center of town. I had picnic tables out. You could get a burger, sit and, and listen to the music. So when Christ came into my life, I grabbed my gigantic Bible, which I thought made me a little more holy. And I grabbed my gigantic Bible. I didn't love, I didn't cut my hair for five or six years. Didn't grow my beard so I could go right back into the people that I loved and the people that I had been a part of so much in my life. And I'm like, I'm going right back to them. I'm gonna sit with them. I'm gonna tell them what happened to me. I'm gonna tell them about Jesus. And every single person is gonna get so fired up about Jesus. It's gonna be awesome. So I sat down at the picnic table one night. I took my big Bible. I laid it on my knee and I shoved it up under the picnic table. And this guy comes over to me. He sits down and he shoves these two pills toward me. And he says, come on, man. Let's go out back and get high. I grabbed my Bible. I went, wham! Right down on the picnic table and said, all right, man, let's get high. Flipped it over to John 3.16. You would have thought he would have been appreciative, you know, but he wasn't. He wasn't. He, he actually got really mad at me. You know, he they said, man, I'm going to share the best stash I ever had with you. And you pull this religious on me. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take both of them. And when I get to hell, I'm going to tell the devil about you. And he walked off. I was like, well, this thing is a little bit more difficult than I expected. I, I don't know. I thought everybody would be so happy to hear about a God that loves them. People are at various stages of their life. They're going through various things, and it took me some time to understand that and to appreciate that with people. That people are different, and people are at different stages, and people are going through pain and loss, and, and they have questions, but where you're meeting them at the moment, it may not be like the most opening time, and that's okay. It's all right. It's okay because you were there. And so it took it took a while. I had a I had a guy in church, this is years ago in this church, that you know, I, he kept coming to church and and so we got coffee one afternoon and I thought because he was in church, I thought he's really interested in Jesus. And so we started having this conversation. And he goes, I am very interested in Jesus and I understand who he is. He's a little alien girl that came from a planet. <laughs> And he came down here and he gave his life as innocent as he was for us. So that's who Jesus is to me. I'm like, wow, man, I had no idea that was out there, you know. It's, 
Like people have all these different shades of who they think God is and who Jesus is. And you've heard people say, you know, Jesus is my hero. Jesus is the one that I love. Jesus is the one that I look at when I want to live my life. <laughs> He's just this epitome of, of a caricature of a good person. He's not really the son of God, the one who loved them, came to this earth and gave his life for them and is still pulling for them to come to know him. That's not who they are. Jesus came across people like this. And in John 3, if you have your Bible app and you want to follow along with me, uh, I'm going to read this and then I'll pray. And um, we'll take a look at this guy named Nicodemus. John 3, 1 through 21. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? That's a good question, right? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have not spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, and that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world, here it is, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The world through him. The world. Everyone through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the Son, the name of God's one and only Son. This is the birth. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Lord, bless the reading of your word today. God, I need your help over the next few minutes. I pray like this wind that's blowing through here. It's so crisp. It's so wonderful, Lord. Would you breathe life on your word? The words we're about to hear. hear. Lord, will you touch the hearts of all of those here in this parking lot and even around in this neighborhood, Lord, with your good news that you have come to save Lord, to bring to you and to give purpose to your life, to give you a future. In Jesus' name, amen. Only in the book of John do we see about this guy named Nicodemus. And uh, it's fairly interesting the three times we see him. 
His name means conqueror of the people. I thought that was pretty interesting. He's a part of the Sanhedrin. He's a Pharisee. He's a part of the largest governing group of the Jewish authorities during that period of time. Their history goes way back, though. They may have had different names. They go way back to the Old Testament, back to Moses, and moves right on through to 70 uh, AD. And so he's a part of a very influential, powerful group of people. You may remember they're the ones that suggested that Jesus be killed, be crucified. And Nicodemus has a part in that later on, as you'll see. And, uh, or at least he participated in trying to stop it a little bit. A little bit. They had wide powers. They could not deal out capital punishment unless the Roman authorities agreed with it. But a lot of times they did, and they went along with it. So we have a very wealthy person here. We have a very educated man here. We have a very powerful man uh, in that culture. And uh, so this guy is like, he's at the top of the pile of the food chain as far as Israel goes and in that culture. And, uh, you know, this is a smart man, but he cannot grasp spiritually what Jesus is saying to him. There are three things I want to take away as normal from this, and it's uh, the fill-ins are on our Facebook Live page, our uh, app, and also on my Pastor Tim Facebook page. And I think there are various ways we can respond to Jesus, and I think we see them in Nicodemus. The first one is you can be intrigued by Jesus. You can be intrigued by him. He responds, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus is like, there's something very special about this man, Jesus. Um, I had the first professor in theology that I had was a minister, a doctor of theology, and he was intrigued with Jesus, but he did not believe he was the son of God. I was three months old in the Lord, just come to Jesus, and uh, I was so excited to have that class and take that class. And then when I heard him say that he thought it, he was a good man, that he did some phenomenal things, but let's get over the fact that he might have been God. I was so, my heart just sunk. I was like, oh my gosh, man, I took this class so I could learn more about Jesus. And I got a guy, a very educated guy, at the top of the food chain in the university who only is intrigued with Jesus, but he's not committed to Jesus. I have a surf buddy. I've taken surfing one time. And, and so we're headed to Riceville Beach. And I start sharing with him about Jesus. And he turns to me and goes, yeah, Jesus is my hero. Uh, he, he just asked me to let him go inside and smoke a bunch of weed before we went so he could be, you know, not so nervous. And I'm like, well, how is Jesus your hero? And he lists all these things of how intriguing the life of Jesus is, how he treated people, how he gave his life for people. But he wasn't able to step across that line and commit himself to it. He was intrigued by Jesus, but he wasn't committed to Jesus. I had another friend who called me one day out of the blue and he said, Tim, can I send a tithe of my income to your church? What was I to say? Well, if you put my arm behind my back. You know, he wasn't even a Christian, but he was intrigued with Jesus. He was intrigued with the things that he said. He wanted to participate some way. And so that was his way, but he was intrigued enough to participate in some way. Like, I know there's something special about you, Jesus, but he wasn't committed to Jesus. Nicodemus has heard the stories. Maybe he heard 
the story of the water being turned into wine. Water is a like a beautiful part of the three stories that we see uh, moving through this section of scripture. He definitely was interested in seeing the kingdom come, the rule and the reign of, of God coming, because that's what they wanted. The Pharisees wanted to see that as well. It's just they had another view of how it was going to come. It wasn't going to come this way. And so he was interested in all of this. He was intrigued by it all. You know, you can be intrigued. I can be intrigued. We can be intrigued so much that we keep coming to church. It's what causes us maybe to gather every now and then and to go listen to a sermon or go online and watch a sermon. Or maybe we're just intrigued. We're like, well, it could be true. It could be true, but I don't know. I, there's something special about it, but I don't know. And we never really commit to it. So that Nicodemus is someone like that. He's intrigued. But here's something else he is, and this is your second fill-in, if you're following along on the fill-in there, is that you can be confused by Jesus. There were a lot of people who were confused by what he said. Nicodemus replies with this, how can someone, when he tells him you must be born again, how can someone be born when they are old? That's a logical question, right? How can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. He was confused. He, but this is a guy who had all the religious knowledge that was available during this period of time. He understood a lot, but he didn't understand that. He wasn't able to enter into the conversation with Jesus at that level. He couldn't understand that that your relationship and your your religious knowledge and your ethnicity was not sufficient enough to put you in right standing with God. That you had to be born again into this family by the Spirit of God. And like I said, there's water in these three stories. The water you know, into wine. There's Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, you must be born of water and spirit. And then what happens on the fourth chapter of John? We see Jesus sitting down with the Samaritan woman at the well. Water, thirst, the Holy Spirit. This is the era, Jesus says, of the Holy Spirit. The wind is moving. It's moving now, Nicodemus. It's coming across your life right now. We don't know where it's going to go next, but it's here right now. And he's confused. The disciples were confused many times. But Jesus stuck with them. He continued to talk with them. But he just didn't get it. Maybe Nicodemus' question here is that, are you telling me that human nature can actually be changed? Is that possible? Is it possible for a human being to actually be reborn? Because I've been born into a certain caste system. I've been born into a, a certain expectation on my life. I feel like I have no control over my life. Are you telling me, Jesus, that a person can actually change? Is that what you're telling me? Is it really possible to start over? Is it really possible that my life can be different? than it's been. Is it possible? Nicodemus is confused because he had an expectation and he already had like a paradigm of what the kingdom of God was going to look like. And he was in that upper echelon of those who would get it. 
Jesus is bringing you back down and saying, I don't care where you are in life. You must be born again. I don't care how high on the food chain you are. You must be born again. Your position in life does not qualify you. You being a human being that I love qualifies you wherever you are. And Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Like you, Nicodemus, you don't get to decide when someone is right with God. The Spirit does. I do. The Spirit moves at a certain time on our lives. It may be moving here right now, just like this wind. It comes and it goes, and it moves across your life right in this moment. And Jesus says, you don't, you don't dictate where that wind goes. And it may not be here tomorrow. So Nicodemus, are you going to take advantage of it today? Are you going to respond today? You should have understood. You should have got. It's your time, Nicodemus, Jesus is saying. It's your time. It's your time. You can be intrigued by Jesus. You can be confused by Jesus. And your last feeling is you can be enticed by Jesus. I looked that word up when I was working on this, and I was like, is that a right word to use with Jesus? And I love one of the definitions of entice. Drawing by artful means. Drawing by artful means. And Jesus did that all the time with metaphor, with pictures, as he tried to go past the head and into the heart with people. You can be enticed by Jesus. Nicodemus responds with, how can this be? Not think he was really asking, how can this be? Like I, the wind, the water, born again. I'm enticed, Jesus. Help me understand this. And then Jesus uses another artful mean, a way, a drawing him. He uses a story back from Numbers in the Old Testament, strange story of Moses. Uh, as they were children of Israel were making their way toward the promised land and these snakes, they got rebellious again. <coughs> these snakes come in uh, to the camp. These snakes start biting everyone. People start dying, getting sick. They call out as they always did. They'd fall away. They'd come back. And they're like, please, Moses, talk to God. God says, make a snake and put it on a stick. Snake on a stick. Put it in front of the people. And if they'll come and look at it, they'll be healed. That's weird to me. I'm sorry. That's just strange. That's one of those weird things, right? That's a mystery to me. But it's not a mystery if you follow the story from Genesis right on through to Revelation. Because that is what Jesus was doing. He was by artful means pulling on Nicodemus's heart to entice him into the story. Because there's a tree all through our story of humanity. From the tree in the garden with the fruit, with the snake, and to mankind falling away, following the snake to in the desert, falling away once again to the snake. It's like God is hijacking the devil's metaphor. And then we get to Jesus, and Jesus goes, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God, here it comes. Did you say it? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son 
into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. You've been bit. You've been bitten by the snake. And the snake, Jesus has to be lifted up so that he can draw all men. Do you get this picture? All the way back to Moses, God was preparing humanity for this moment when Jesus would be lifted up. And if you see him and you come to him, you, my friend, can be healed. Nicodemus knew this story so well. He was an expert in the story. And Jesus, by artful means and design, starts trying to pull on his heart and pull into this amazing moment in time, in humanity, when truly the Savior is being lifted up on a tree so that all can come to know him and be healed. He still didn't get it. Nicodemus does end up in the book two more times, like I said at the beginning. He ends up in the book, and it's in the, your notes there, in John 7, verse 50 through 52, when the kangaroo court was going on to declare Jesus, you know, a candidate for death. Nicodemus speaks up in the middle of the court of the Sanhedrin there, and he goes, hey, shouldn't we look at some evidence first? And that was his contribution. You know, he had these, he was enticed. He was considering what was going on. He was intrigued, but he was confused. But he did go to bat somewhat for Jesus, didn't he? And of course, they say no. They push on through. And then we get to John 19, verse 38 through 42. Jesus has been lifted up on the stick, on the cross. He is dead. Who comes and takes the body? Joseph of Arimathea, which was a friend of Pilate's, if you read the story, who was a part of this council as well, and Nicodemus. Joseph and Nicodemus take the very body of Jesus to this tomb that's never been used before. Nicodemus brings 75 pounds of spices so they can embalm the body. He puts the spices on Jesus' body. But when did Nicodemus come to Jesus the first time? At night. At night. Why? Because I think he didn't want his fellow Pharisees to see him. When was this going on? When they put him in the grave? Most likely it was late in the evening. Late in the afternoon. Nicodemus is still coming at night. And he's so close. He's so close to stepping across the line to commitment. I think he did. I believe he did. I think we're going to see him when the kingdom comes in fullness. But I wonder what would have happened if he had stepped across the line in commitment. Where are you this morning? Where are you online? Where are you? Are you intrigued? Are you confused? Are you enticed? It calls for a response from us. Jesus has been lifted up. Is the wind, is the Spirit of God moving across your life today? Because we don't really control when that wind comes. It's coming now for some of you here, some of you there online. It's moving across us now. We don't make it come. We can't stop it. We can only go with it. 
And so, Lord, today in this place, outside on this beautiful Sunday, Holy Spirit, would you come across this place into every single heart, and just as we feel this beautiful breeze right now, would you move across folks' hearts? Would you move across their lives, Lord, and help them going from just being enticed by you or from their confusion or from their intrigue, Lord, with you and help them move with the wind of your desire to see them come to know you. And I want to ask you this morning, if you're here and you're in one of those three categories, but you know the Lord is calling you to step across the line of commitment, to commit your life. Would you just let me know? Maybe wave your hand at me and go, that's me, Tim. Thank you. Just let me know. I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, would you come now? Your sweet wind, move across this place, Lord. Lord, I pray for our new sister in the Lord right now. I pray, God, that your spirit, just as it's refreshing to us physically on this warm summer day would refresh and take them from darkness to light right now. Lord, let your amazing love flood their life. Let your confirmation of all is well with them and you be known now. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.